Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Breaking news. This just in. Bryson DeChambeau, the professional golfer that Michael Borky absolutely adores. He, he put on some muscle over the past year. He's actually thicker than he used to be. Really been working out. Wears a bigger shirt than he used to because his muscles are bigger. That's my excuse, I too. Did, I didn't know it was possible for me to already be tired of a storyline in golf, but here it is. I don't mind the fact that there are no fans there. Don't mind what it sounds like. Don't mind the announcers. Well, except maybe the fact that uh, we, we get it. Bryson DeChambeau decided to bulk up. When you bulk up, you're a little bit bigger than you were before. Sorry. Not trying to complain right out of the gate on a Friday, but I, I, I had the volume up on Golf Channel just a second ago, and they literally, for three minutes, combination of Nick Faldo in Orlando and Dottie Pepper in studio or uh, on the course, and Jim Nance in the Tower at 18 talked for three solid minutes about how Bryson DeChambeau looks different than he used to. <laughs> you love it, Borky. You love it. Just, I mean, so many players gain weight, lose weight. It just the, the way this kid is covered for not having won anything of value, they treat him like he is just the smartest person on the course and so innovative and different and unique. Like he wears a funny hat, swings differently, and all his irons are the same length. Uh, I mean, he's not that unique. And until he he's wins, he's a good player. He's a good golfer. Just he's go win, really man. good. But until you like go win something, I just I don't like the way they cover him in that. Oh, he's. Sm- he is smarter than everybody else on the course, and he does it this way, and and this is the new way. And look at him. He's so smart, and he's forward-thinking, and we'll, we'll win something first. I think he's just amusing. I think that's why they talk about him. I don't think they think he's smarter than everybody else. It's like he's a uh, a bit of a novelty, a bit of a, uh, a freak show, and everybody can't kind of can't <laughs> help but look. Except for the fact that he is a good player. He can play. Well. So... Uh, Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. The C Spire text line on this Friday is wide open to you. 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless. But C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it is says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines. $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Just the real deal. cspire.com. Friday, guys. What's up? I think I might fight my mailman. Uh, Borky <laughs> with a disagreement with another 
it person was, slash another entity. government employee it, has a problem with Borky. Yeah, well, this is the same mailman that remember what he wasn't. What do you do? Try and sing you a Christmas carol? <laughs> <laughs> no, this one you might actually agree with me on. So this is the same guy that ran a stop sign and almost hit me and my dog. Uh, same mailman, but. Okay. Is yes. he driving an actual mail truck, or is this like a personal vehicle? No, with it's, a an, it's an actual mail truck. Okay. Um, and yesterday, I just happened to be looking out the window of my home office, and the window of my home office looks into the front yard, and I see him pull up and look down at an envelope. My wife was expecting pictures of our almost eight-month-old child. Big envelope, mm-hmm. right? And a big sticker. Right in the center of the envelope, it says, do not bend. He looks down at the sticker, bends the envelope, and shoves it into the mailbox and kept going. Like, creases the envelope or kind of the, the, we had the, the, the pictures are bent to where, like, we can't unbend them. Like, we've got them sitting under books right now or something to try to unbend them to get them to, you know properly get put into a frame the, i hate those kind of people like if you make a mistake that inconveniences me or you don't notice me and and like you bump into me or something in the store i don't care it, like people make mistakes that's fine that doesn't bother me but when you are such a jerk that you look down unless it's on an airplane then it bothers you but that's not a mistake that's people being selfish <laughs> when you look down at an envelope and it literally says i mean you look on the envelope do not bend you look down at the envelope where it says do not bend and you bend it anyway to shove it in the mailbox and move on I, like I, I want to go down and just slap you across the face you don't deserve a punch just a slap to to demean you even more than a punch because you are such a selfish jerk like, it's just pictures, and it was, you know, $10, whatever it was. But the principle of it drives me up a wall. It says not not to do it. So just don't do it. How hard is that? Yeah. Hey, Dad, can you get on board with this being uh, the jerk store just called and they're out of him? Yeah, the, the, the postman in here is, is in the wrong. No question about that. I, I I would be calling the post office and asking to speak to supervisors and things of that nature. You could even reach out to the postmaster general of your. Local I would go full Karen. Postal delivery. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you're with the other me. Thing I you know could we do started with complaining. Won't do anything. But... Yeah, I mean it's gonna. I guess it's like Friday Festivus or something. <laughs> well, uh, the other thing you could do is reach out to the company from which you bought the prints, and they shipped them to you and say, uh, I get that technically this is probably not your fault, but the pictures were damaged when they arrived. I'm going to need you to uh, send another set. And if you can't trust the post office, then you'll just have to come up with a different shipping method. And I'm sure they they would do that. I mean, I don't see why not, but that's still just... It irks me. That and like the people that won't return their shopping carts. I just I just want to grab them and say, why will you not do that? Like, why did you bend those pictures? Why? You saw the thing. So why? are you going to like camp out and wait for him for the next time that he comes and ask him? I would be doing that too, yeah. I, I honestly think I might because this is the same guy that, that he ran a stop sign. And you remember the story, I think. Got very close to hitting me and my dog. And he was going fast enough where he would have probably killed the dog. Uh, he's 
a 37-pound Britney Spaniel. Uh, a mail truck running a stop sign would have killed him. So this is the same guy. It's not, and he didn't know, or he doesn't know where I live. So it's not like that was some kind of revenge thing. Because after he almost hit me, I yelled, said, "Pay your, you know what, attention." Um, what? Okay, so why have you not called the post office to complain about this guy? Say, look, now, I, I just kind of bit my it, tongue last time. Uh, but this is the second time we've had an incident. He nearly ran over me and my dog when we were just out walking in the neighborhood one day because he was going too fast and wasn't paying attention. And now we have a very um, specific package that comes that says, do not bend on the exterior. My wife, looking out the window, watched him bend it in half after reading the directions. Uh, what are you going to do? I think I need to do that. And especially, uh, there, there's a guy in the neighborhood that... Um, pushes his it's probably a year and a half old son on a stroller that was on the same street as me he watched it happen but like what if that wasn't me with my dog that I could easily yank out of the way what if it was that guy and his his baby running in the stroller like it, that could have been so much worse and so maybe I think you're right I think I just need to go do something about uh, it. by the way uh Chris the mailman Suggest that you should call the post office. Don't confront him, or he will call the postal inspector on you. Who's the postal inspector, and what authority does he have over huh. me? Well, clearly, um, the postal inspector... I wonder if the post office has the option to not deliver... Chris, you may have to help us with this. If, if a uh, mail carrier, mailman, mail lady, madam, mail person whatever the proper way to be gender neutral with regard to that is, um, if you feel threatened delivering mail to a specific house, are you required to still deliver it? By all means, stop delivering mail to my house. Nope, never got that bill. Never got it. <laughs> oh, it'll be just my luck that he does that. Even though, again, he didn't... N- Newman reference, by the way. We just got a Newman reference. Yeah. Absolutely. He doesn't know that that's where I live. So, like, I yelled at him after he almost hit me. And not bad. It was just like, hey, pay your attention. And that was it. But he do- it wasn't anywhere close to the house. So it, that, that <laughs> wasn't like a revenge thing. But it would be just my luck that maybe in some way he knew that it was me and did this. And now I won't get my stimulus check after a few months. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, Chris says that just like an FBI agent... A postal carrier is a federal agent. Maybe not just like, but same idea. And uh, he says that, no, you do not have to, uh, if you are a mail carrier, you do not have to deliver mail if you feel you've been threatened. Mike in Oxford says it was uh, postal inspectors who brought down the Unabomber. I had no idea. Thomas in Greenwood says, are you sure, Borky, that he's not listening now and taking preemptive action? There's no way to be sure. There is no way to be sure. Because your name's on the mail. He knows it's you if he oh, listens to yeah, the show. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, well, he looked too high. straight at the envelope that said, do not bend, looked down at it, bent it anyway, and stuck it in the mailbox. So. I'm going hey, to get this old Miss Homer right here. Borky's bent mail today, including a conversation with Kendall Rogers on the Farm Bureau phone line when we come back. Wait. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
alternate universe, we would not be able to have this conversation with Kendall Rogers right now because we would be in about the sixth or the seventh inning of game one of the College World Series right now. So that's sad, but the uh, the good news is we get to talk to Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, D1Baseball.com. Just wrapped up the Major League Baseball draft over the course of the last two days. i tell you one thing, Kendall. They don't play around with the Major League Baseball draft. I mean, that thing moves fast over the course of a couple of days. No, it did. I, I just uh, I was disappointed last night. I felt like there was a commercial break about every five or six minutes. So uh, yesterday drug on a little bit. I think it lasted. I think we ended up going on our live feed for about five hours and 45 minutes. Uh, so that was a little long. But, hey, you know what? Uh, that might be the only baseball we have until fall college baseball begins. So we, we better enjoy it. Yeah, hopefully that's not the case and they get something worked out with the big leagues, but it seems like each day that uh, possibility looks a little less and less. Let's start big picture. Um, anything really surprise you as it pertains to the SEC or Mississippi State or Ole Miss? No, I think, I think it's pretty much status quo, really. I mean, uh, I thought uh, you know Jordan Westberg, I think, went a little higher than I expected. And, you know, Justin Foscue, uh, I'm a big fan. I mean, the guy can hit for power. Uh, he's a really good defender. He's obviously just got 80 makeup. But, uh, you know, for him to go where he went in the draft uh, was a little surprising. We had heard some buzz on him uh, over the last couple of weeks that he might, uh, you know, be going in that range. So, you know, I'm not going to say he's overdrafted, uh, but it was a little interesting to see him go where he did. Uh, Anthony Servideo, uh, certainly, certainly one of those guys who, uh, with his strong start this past spring, uh, elevated his stock and, and went where he went. Uh, you know, Tyler Keenan, I thought, was a guy for me who was a little underdrafted. Uh, I'm a big Keenan fan. You know, the thing is, is like he is a, is a strong, well-built kid. He can hit for a lot of power. Uh, but I think he's pretty nimble over third. Like, I think he can play third base in the next level. I think he's athletic enough. Uh, I think he's a really nice player. So to get, uh, you know, Keenan where he was picked, uh, that's a really, really nice pick in that spot. It may be too early to do this, and I guess to a certain degree you already have. I mean, you pointed out lead story right now on D1 Baseball is Florida kind of headlining the big winners list from the draft because neither Tommy Mace nor Jack Left, which was drafted, and so they'll get their 1-2 back for next season. But when you start looking at what teams lost or didn't lose in this draft, have you started to think about what the SEC may look like from a prediction standpoint going into next year? Uh. Oh, boy, it's going to be so good. I mean, you, you look around this league, and, uh, I mean, you look at uh, Florida with Tommy Mason, Jack Leftwich coming back. I mean, they're going to be ridiculous next year as they move into that new ballpark. Uh, you know, I think even Arkansas, uh, despite losing, you know, Casey Martin and Heston Kirstad, I mean, they get back Casey Opitz, their, their important backstop. Uh, they get back their, their, you know, their whole weekend rotation. You know they're going to be good. And then, you know, Vanderbilt with Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter, uh, you know, you look at Ole Miss with uh, so many players coming back, uh, you know, Gunnar Hoagland and that, and that staff and just those younger position guys. Uh, then even Mississippi State, I mean, there's a lot to like about the Bulldogs coming back with Tanner Allen. Uh, Kristen McLeod was having a great year before the season ended. So, uh, you know, then LSU. Uh, you know, LSU lost Cole Henry, but we all kind of saw what Jaden Hill's abilities uh, could be. 
uh, at the Shriners College Classic earlier this year. And so uh, even LSU, after the, you know getting Hill uh, back for another year and then you know, Dylan Cruz pulling his name out of the draft, he's a top-two-round talent, uh, he's going to give them a nice little infusion of young talent in that lineup. So the SEC West next year, Richard, is going to be hmm. ridiculous. Uh, I mean, like I'm trying to think how I would rank it right now. Uh, it's going to be so good. And, and I guess, you know, I look at college baseball as a whole, and I think we're going to see this be a recurring theme at different conferences with with the limited draft, uh, the unlimited rosters. There are going to be so many good college baseball teams next year, and I can't wait. All right, let me let me play the other way around. Who do you think got hurt the most? Uh, I, I like what you said about Mississippi State with the pieces they've got coming back, but you lose a couple of middle infielders, uh, yeah. at least one starter, and then one or two guys that were highly thought of enough coming out of high school that they're not going to make it. I look at Texas A&M, and we felt felt like the weakness around them was they couldn't hit. Mm-hmm. And then they lose Asa Lacey and Christian Roa off the bit. So, so who was hurt the most by the draft? I would lean with A&M, actually. I think when you look at the Aggies overall, I mean, this is already a team, as you as you rightly mentioned a second ago, uh, that has historically the last couple of years really struggled offensively. Well, their their calling card for winning games has been their pitching, and uh, there's no doubt the Aggies have some good young arms. Uh, but when you lose Asa Lacy, who honestly like had the ability to go undefeated in conference this year, uh, and then you look at Christian Roa, who uh, I think was just scratching the surface of what he could be. I think the Reds kind of saw uh, his potential uh, taking him there in the second round. Uh, those are just two really, really difficult guys to replace. So I think when you look at AM's situation without those top two guys, not having Zach Deloach, who's drafted high as well uh, in the outfield, and then you combine that with how good the league is going to be, I could see AM having very much a down year and, and Ross Bork having a very difficult decision on his hands uh, after next season. But, you know, we'll see how things play out later this fall. What's the effect on Auburn? Uh, you know, a team that ended up going to the College World Series, kind of lightning in a yeah. bottle, winning the um, what the the regional in in Atlanta, at Georgia Tech, and then the super regional in North Carolina. Butch got that program moving in the right direction, but losing a Tanner Burns, how big of an effect is that on Auburn? Well, uh, you know, one thing, two things about Auburn here. Uh, you know, positionally, they're going to be in really good shape. Um, I think when you look at uh, the Tigers uh, overall, you know they lost no position guys to the draft, so that's good. They didn't get hit hard in recruiting in the draft, so that's good. Uh, with that said, you know when you look at their pitching staff, you know they lost Tanner Burns, who was just Mister Consistent. He was as steady as it gets uh, in that league. You know, and the other guy to keep an eye on that I that I was a little surprised went where he went, but I can see why he's another projection pick is uh, Bailey Orm. I thought Bailey was going to have a very very good spring. I mean, he was up to 95 in the fall. Um, he had big-time stuff. I thought he was going to have a great season. So, you know, losing those two guys, I mean, you could throw them in the mix as, as a loser, too. Uh, losing those two guys on the mound uh, is very difficult, but I feel like Auburn is much more advanced than A&M is from, from a positional standpoint. And, like, uh, you know, I just kind of give Butch Thompson the, the benefit of the doubt on pitching. Like, I always feel like, you know, Auburn's going to be okay on the mound. They may not have you know, the Casey Mize or the Tanner Burns, but they're always very much serviceable. So that's kind of what I'm hinging my bet on here. One other team that's interesting to me in, in terms of the draft is uh, is Tennessee. Um, the job that Tony Vitello is doing there, obviously building that roster, is it a roster, though, that is built to uh, 
uh, to be able to handle losing a Garrett Crochet in the first round and an Alaric Solaire in the second or third round, wherever it was that, that he ended up going? You know what? I actually think Tennessee's okay, and, and here's why. Uh, you know, they lost Garrett Crochet. I'll tell you what, when you look at the returning arms, I know, uh, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State didn't get a chance to see these guys yet in the spring, but I'll tell you what, you know, Jackson Lee, who didn't get drafted, I really, really like him. I saw him at the Round Rock tournament earlier this year. I mean, he was up to 95, 96 with fastball, sinking it. I had a big time slider. I think he's going to be a, a front line piece for them next year. Uh, Drew Gilbert was a really talented freshman for them. And then they had, uh, you know, Chad Dallas was another solid arm. So I actually think Tennessee is okay uh, from an from a pitching standpoint. And they'll certainly be very good from an offensive standpoint. You know, they lose uh, Solari, um, you know, but they get guys back like, you know, Jake Rucker and, and uh, you know, they, they lost Zach Daniels. But he was more of a kind of a, uh, you know, prospect pony anyways. I mean, he wasn't a huge production guy. Uh, he was just a really good uh, – uh, you know, prospects. So Tony Vitello is an elite recruiter. I have no doubt they'll pick up some guys to take take up some of the slack offensively. But on the mound, I actually feel pretty good about him. And that's where you know they didn't have Crochet the first few weeks of the season, if you remember, because of that injury. And I kind of have a feeling like that's where this is going to really help them because those guys were kind of thrust into the action without Crochet this year. Hey, only thirty seconds left on this, but I am curious. Why do you think Cole Wilcox fell to the late part of the third round from uh, from Georgia when he was projected as a first rounder? Yeah, I mean, real quick, I mean, Cole Wilcox, I mean, he's a Boris guy, so I have a feeling that played into it. But uh, it sounds like the Padres were able to move a little bit of money around and had the ability to take Cole Wilcox in the third. That is just devastating for Scott Strickland, though, when you consider losing, you know, Wilcox and Emerson Hancock. Uh, you know, Wilcox could have been a top 15 guy next year. It's still not a slam dunk, the whole uh, sign, but uh, I would expect him to. If he got drafted, he'll sign. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I was a little surprised that it took as long as it did for him to uh, yeah. come off the board. Kendall, really appreciate it, man. Hope you enjoy the weekend. You got it, and brother. Hopefully, Happy weekend. Uh, all right, talk to you soon. That is uh, Kendall Rogers from D1Baseball.com on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Take a quick time out. Be right back with you at Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad on Friday. So just a, uh, a quick recap in terms of the Major League Baseball draft. Mississippi State with three players selected. Justin Foscue went first round, 14th pick to the Texas Rangers. Slot value for that pick is $4.04 million. Um, Into the first round, sandwich round pick, competitive balance pick, however you want to describe it. Jordan Westberg taken with the 30th overall pick. Slot value, $2.37 million. And then you had JT Ginn 
taken 52nd overall. His slot value is $1.4 million. After that, Anthony Servidio was taken with the 74th pick, so that was a, a third-round pick. Slot value for Anthony Servidio, $844,200. Jordan Blaze, who is committed to Mississippi State, Blaise was Jordan. the 80... Say what? Blaze Jordan. Blaze Jordan. Right. Yes, thank you. Which is better? Eighty ninth. Jordan Blaze sounds like he should be a pro wrestler. Blaze is a pretty yeah. sick last name, though. Pretty good first name, for that matter. Yeah, and he yeah. can rake. Is that on the hit. birth certificate? As far as I, I know, yeah, that's it. his name. Yeah, I, I, I know. Are, are, we Bla- are we Blaze Jordan birthers on this show now? No, we want I, to see the birth certificate. I'm sure you understand the question, though. Is that <laughs> is that really his name, or is that just a long-standing nickname? He's born in Don't Kenya. <laughs> Jeez. Into the third round, Blaze Jordan out of DeSoto Central High School, committed to Mississippi State, selected by the Boston Red Sox, slot value of $667,900. Tyler Keenan, taken that middle of the fourth round, 107th pick overall, out of uh, Ole Miss, obviously. And he was selected by the Seattle Mariners. Slot value, $543,500. And then one other Mississippian was uh, was drafted. In the, uh, the fifth round, Colt Keith, out of Biloxi High School, who was drafted as a third baseman, was taken uh, by the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and again, that was the 132nd pick. Slot value for him, $426,600. Um, so you got three guys that are in seven-figure slot value signing bonus range: uh, Foscu, uh, Westberg, and Ginn. Uh, you've got um, three that are north of half a million as well, with Tyler Keenan, Blaze Jordan, and Anthony Servidio. So those are the Mississippi kids, uh, either by college or in the uh, in the state of Mississippi, uh, that got drafted. And I mean, the assumption is everybody goes, right? From the Mississippi State perspective, that is that is the uh, assumption. Yes, yeah, I don't think there's any question on the two with Ole Miss either. Um, Doesn't feel like dra- it. No. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, certainly not with Anthony Servideo at almost a million dollar signing bonus, and I wouldn't think so with Tyler Keenan as well. I mean, he's been in school for three years. Yeah, this year was weird. Uh, he's he's played well. Played well as a freshman, played really well last year as a sophomore, was off to a good start in his junior season, got this year back if he wants it back, but half a million bucks to go play pro ball when you've been chasing this since you were six years old, probably time to uh, time to make that move. So, Forgive me if this is a stupid question. Is what's going on in Major League Baseball with – and they're going to play at some point. The commissioner is going to make them. But with this back and forth and – the owners sent another proposal, and the players, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon laughed out loud on Twitter about the offer, so that's going to get rejected here soon. you got a negotiation CBA deal coming up next year, potential holdout if things don't go well. Does that give you pause if you're a player? Like maybe a fringe guy where they're coming at you below your number a little bit and you have a couple of years left of eligibility. Is that in your mind at all when you're making this decision whether or not to go pro or stay and play more college baseball? 
I mean, I, I, it has to be, it has, there has to be some uncertainty for sure because, like, you know, most of these guys who are drafted, they would sign and then they'd be sent off to whatever, you know, minor league team that, that they would go to. That's not happening this year. So, you know, it's the question of what am I doing, for, you know, for the next few months? You know, how am I training? What, what, where am I supposed to go? Things like that. Whereas, you know, if you still have college eligibility and you have that extra year, you could say, I, I, you know, I know my routine. So if you're not, you're not a hundred percent sure about everything. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think that's why you saw a lot of guys, you know, make the, the decision to just go ahead and go to college or just, you know, pull out of the draft, uh, just because they didn't want to have to face that kind of decision. Yeah. I certainly think it would enter your mind. But I mean, baseball is going to come back eventually. I mean, baseball's coming back this year. I mean, Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon can LOL it on Twitter all he wants. But we don't like their offer. Ha, ha, ha. We're, 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 screw you. We're not even going to respond. I'm so weary of the back and forth. Why don't you just negotiate the thing and be done with it? But no, you got to go to Twitter and see how cute you can be and see what kind of a reaction you can get to, oh, well, the owners are going to only offer us 85% on a 72. Shut up. Oh, i got to stop doing that. People don't like that when I... Say shut up on. You're very angry. Who doesn't like that? I, I, I'm loving this right now because well, I, I, it's I the just, feeling of everybody though. I, th- this playing out in public is so ridiculous, and the fact that it's happening again for two weeks straight, every other day, it's this offer is not going to get accepted. The players offer, there's no way, and this, there's no way, and Blake Snell doing if his if thing I were a few the weeks owners, ago. It, it, but Borky, if I were the owners, or if I was an owner. I would have reached the point where I'd say, you know what, I'm tired of this. 48 games, full prorated salaries, that means we've only got to pay him a third anyway. Do it. There are no more offers. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on now. Let's negotiate. No, no, no. We had your, you had your chance to negotiate. Just zip it. Go play ball. We'll tell you when to be there. You don't show up, you don't get paid. We're done. Well, what's that going to do to the negotiation? I don't know. I'm assuming you're going to want to play baseball next year so that you can continue to make your multi-million dollar salary. And, and forgive me if I've turned on this or I've changed on this or flip-flopped, but as weary as I am of the owners and their, well, it's not that profitable of a business and instead of making $300 million, we're going to lose money this year, but we've made millions and millions and hundreds of millions... As tired as I am of hearing that, I think I'm more tired of hearing players just as fast as they can run to Twitter to go, ha, 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 LOL, not responding to that one. We'll get, okay, fine. You don't want to play. You don't want to negotiate. It's fine. You agreed on March 26th that we could set the schedule. We'll set the schedule. We'll pay you exactly what we said we were going to pay you. Well, that's going to make it hard to negotiate next year. I don't care. You can either play baseball or not play baseball. Good luck finding another way to make $13 million next year and the year after that. Or, if you're a league minimum guy, good luck immediately becoming a vice president in an insurance company where you're going to make $600,000 next year. Oh, wait, you're not going to do that? If you go into the insurance business, you're going to start at $38,000 and get two weeks paid vacation? Enjoy it. No, Richard, you don't understand. No, I, I, I do understand. And, and my patience for the negotiation is completely gone because nobody's negotiating. 
The NBA is negotiating. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of sick of the, the leaks that are coming from the NBA now because Kyrie Irving wants to make sure that our voice is more properly heard than it has been heard. Man, Kyrie, you need to let the grown-ups like Chris Paul just continue to handle this thing because it's been handled in a really good way. Until you got involved, and now it's a dumpster fire. And, and i got to be honest, this, is, this has nothing to do with politics or telling you to not have opinions on anything. Now, I want you to continue to have opinions because we love having somebody to laugh at who thinks the, the earth is flat, right? So you keep on having opinions. So when I say shut up and dribble, it doesn't mean I'm telling you don't have opinions. At all. That's not what... It, it's an altogether different version of that. It's you have some really, really, really smart people in the NBA who have worked really hard to get this deal for you guys to be able to finish playing your season back on track. And get full salary, by the way. And get paid. And crown a legitimate champion. And all of these things. And then a guy like you, who's not even going to play because you're currently hurt, is trying to derail the whole thing. Just a little too long out of the spotlight. Got to do something to get my name back out there. Can't let people forget about me. That's what that reeks of. Earth is flat. He's not going to live that one down. Sports Talk Mississippi. All of those tourists covered Jeff on the Ceasefire text line. I remember just a few years ago, I was a Kyrie Irving and LeBron James fan. Now I can't stand either one of them. That might be LeBron's most impressive feat was winning a title with that lunatic on his team. One day, Richard, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Hey, Dad, did I make you uncomfortable? No. I saw you cringe when I used the phrase shut up and dribble, but I hope you mm. were listening to the context of I it because to everything it was not. Yeah. Gotta be careful. So you think that you think that was out of line? No, I don't I, once you once you explained it, but there were, could be people who would take it out of line. Oh yeah, there are people that only hear what they want to play. I, I said right. that to Borky I'm not one in of the break. People. Yeah, I said to Borky during the break, there's some people that that's all they heard, and they're going, Richard said that Kyrie should just shut up and dribble. Not even remotely what I said. Yeah. What confuses me the most about this, so Woj said it's not a singular issue that is holding players up. For example, there are some guys, J.J. Redick being one, that um, the players are going to have to be in this bubble, but they're the only ones that are going to have to be in a bubble. So the Disney employees and the other people can come and go as they please, but they have to stay quarantined and isolated away from their families. And Reddick's like, hey, wait, hold on a second. If the Disney employee can go see their family and gallivant around Orlando and then come work on me, why, why can't I do that? Well, So I understand that. Like That's a, a legitimate thing that makes sense to me. If it's not going to be a true bubble, then why are you restricting the players so much when people that are working on the players are going to be out and about so they could be exposed to it? So that part, I understand. The other part where, Richard, I think you have the quote in front of you, where they don't want to 
some players led by Kyrie Irving don't want to return to play because the current uh, movement that's going on right now would be would disappear because a predominantly African American league would then be sequestered to entertain the masses. But what is one? You still have a job to do, and the league has given them an out. You do not have to go for for fear of safety or other reasons. Your team, they've already said that the teams can have a replacement player if need be. You don't have to go, and you will not get punished. Now, you won't get paid, but they won't punish you for not showing up. So you already have an out in case you feel uncomfortable with that. But what's a bigger platform than the one you're going to well, have when you return I, to play I, in August? I got a question here. So, so Chris Haynes at Yahoo writes this story, and this is part of the story, some of the concerns. The unease about relocating to a quarantined campus during the COVID-19 pandemic was already viewed as hazardous and unnecessary to many players. But because of the George Floyd tragedy and the powerful movement for racial justice that's sweeping the nation, some players believe it's bad optics for a league comprised predominantly of black men to be sequestered in one location for up to three months merely to entertain the masses and ease the league's economic burden, sources said. Why do you think you would be perceived that way? People have been clamoring, like desperately wishing for live sports to return. This is your and the job, NBA is man. the second most popular in, in the world. This is your job. This is what you get paid to do. And we've talked about getting back to work after the quarantine. This is part of it. People need to get back to work. NBA players are included in this. How, do, how if, does if not going back to work help whatever cause it is that you're you're advocating for? Right. I just. I. I, mean, I, I just. I, I'm. I, I'm sorry, I, but I, I don't understand what get. optics we're talking about. Yeah. Has there been a lot of of people saying, "Hey, this protest loses its meaning if the NBA starts playing again," or? You're giving in to the man if you agree to be sequestered to finish out the NBA season and be paid millions of dollars to do so. Yeah, just, I don't yeah. get it. The, the man is so evil, they're willing to pay you a full salary. A full salary, even though their revenues are going to plummet in relation to what they would have if things were normal. I mean, that that's the... I think the most important part to the NBA's agreement is the owners, without question, have decided we want in good faith to pay our players full salary even though our revenues are going to plummet because the fewer games and no in-arena attendance, obviously, and then because they won't have the games in their cities, local businesses will lose money, but the owners still decided in good faith we want to give you your full salary if you're going to play. And that's still... Like, you view them as the enemy? I... I don't get it. Yeah, I just... I mean, I understanding, uh, understand advocating for a cause and using your platform and using your voice. Uh, apparently one of the things that, that they're going to talk about in this call tonight also is how, in, in terms of uniformity, do they, as players, take a stand? Okay. We've got to figure that out as well. Use your platform. But if you're not playing, you really don't have a platform. 
I mean, okay, you can put some tweets out there and make some posts on Instagram. Friday afternoon with you into the 4 o'clock hour. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We will get to some of your responses on the ceasefire text line coming up in just a bit. That number is 601-879-4395. If you're ready for a better phone, C Spire is here to help. Get up to $700 off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. Plus, find options like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations. Shop now at cspire.com. Again, that number is 601-879-4395. If you've never been to the old website, howtobbqright.com, well, you're really missing out. Malcolm Reed, that is his website, and he is on the Farm Bureau phone line right now. Happy Friday, Malcolm. What's up? Man, I'm getting ready for another good weekend. Looks like we got some good weather coming up in Mississippi this weekend. The weather looks fantastic. Go ahead and tell me what's going to be on your grill this weekend. Well, I, hey, I've got some steaks in the refrigerator that I'm going to get some season on tomorrow. That's what we're going to have, just a traditional ribeye steak with some twice-baked potato and some asparagus, man. I'm not doing anything too fancy. <laughs> it, th- this must be a stay-at-home weekend instead of your cooking for 300 people type deal then. It, you're exactly right. We're going to stay home and just relax for a little while. <laughs> I like it. Hey, I'd like to talk pigs today if uh, if we can. And just maybe, I don't know if Boston butts are the most basic thing you do, but it's just something that you can get, you can feed a bunch of people or you can get a bunch of meals out of. And I think if you do it right, it's not terribly difficult to do. You mind walking me through that process? Sure. You know, it's really not hard to cook a Boston butt or what it actually is. It's the upper part of the shoulder, the front shoulder of the pig. And we cook the Boston butts because they have a lot of meat on them, and, it's, and they only have one bone. They've got a blade bone in them. Now, you can get them boneless, too, but it's a lot of meat. So usually they weigh about eight pounds, and when you when you cook them right, they usually yield about four or five pounds of cooked meat, which you're right. It cooks feeds a lot of people. Um, they're easy to cook. What, what I do is just get your favorite barbecue rub on it. Of course, I'm using my Z-barbecue rub, but... You can put whatever, pretty much whatever you want on the outside of them to build you some bark and some flavor. And then you need to get them on a, on a barbecue smoker or even a, a grill like a Weber set up for a two-zone fire will work. Um, the whole process is about putting some smoke on it kind of low and slow. So we're talking cooking these things um, about 225 to 250 degrees. It really slows them down a little bit. But what it does, it allows all that uh, intermuscular fat to slowly render, keeping that meat moist, and it lets it slow cook, and that's what it's all about. So you can plan on it taking um, about 45 minutes or an hour per pound, depending on the size of the butt you're starting with. And what I do is I smoke them with some hickory wood. You can throw in some pecan or some of your favorite fruit wood for the first three or four hours. That's really going to build that smoke ring that's what's giving you that barbecue flavor. You know, you've got the seasoning on the outside, you've got the smoke all around it, and it's really attacking that meat and just making it delicious. Uh, once you get them cooked about halfway, we're talking 150 to 160 internal, you can go ahead and wrap them up in some aluminum foil, and that's going to speed your process up. It's going to uh, stop the smoke from getting on the outside too much so it doesn't get bitter on you. 
but it's going to help it also break down on the inside, and that's really what's going to keep that moisture inside that butt. And the rest of the time, it's just about maintaining that temperature and cooking it till it's almost 200 degrees internal, for, and that, that'll just make it fall right apart, and that's what you want. So 225 degrees, 45 minutes to an hour per pound. If, you, if you're cooking two of them on the grill, I mean, you, you don't double your time, right? You just kind of monitor. Does it take a little bit longer? It's going to be probably closer to that hour per pound than 45 minutes if, if you do it that way? It's going to stretch it out a little bit, but what you're, what's really going to affect you there is the size of your grill. When you put more mass on it, that's going to slow it down. So if you've got a grill big enough to hold, uh, you know, the rack's going to hold two, no problem, and air can smoke can circulate around it, it's not going to affect it as much. But if you pack them in there and it's really taking up all the cook chamber, that's what's going to slow you down. So you have to watch that. That's a great point. You know, if, if, you're, if you've got a smaller smoker or smaller barbecue grill um, and you're putting two on there, just add a little extra time. Uh, what I do see some people do, and I don't like to do it as much because I like to cook on the grill the whole time, but you can do the first part of the cook on the grill uh, you know, or on your smoker, and then you can bring it inside once you get it wrapped and finish it off in the oven. A lot of people do that for time because they don't want to sit out there and, and monitor the grill or stay with it the whole time because that is, you know, we're talking eight hours. That's a long cook time. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's kind of a little cheat there, a little hack if you if you move it inside. But um, I'll, I, me personally, I'll stay with it outside, enjoy the day, and enjoy being outside. All right, so if I've just got a large green egg, I mean, that's what I've got at home. Bigger grills off in another place where you could do a bunch of stuff. But just in terms of a lot, could I get two eight-pound Boston butts if I've got the place setter in kind of doing the indirect heat and, and get it to that temperature and just leave it? You should be able to do that no problem on a large green egg. Uh, there, you okay. know, there are plenty. Of, I know on the XL I can get three. I'm pretty sure a large can hold two no problem. And, you know, that, that grill is designed for low and slow cooking. You can barely crack the vents on that egg and just get you a little bit of cold going. It's going to cook all night. So you can do it no problem. There's no, you know, I, I do do recommend using that plate setter. That's going to help you keep those temps down. And then you're just going to crack the vents a little bit so some air can flow. But once you heat up that ceramic, it really helps that heat. And you don't have to go in it very much. Um, you, will, you will want an internal probe thermometer. That's one uh, okay. one piece of equipment that's as important as the grill. That way you can stick your probe in the meat, run the cable out the grill, close the lid, and you don't have to go back in it uh, letting all your heat out. You know, a lot of it's about just being on the smoker. If you're looking, you you know, you ain't cooking. That's the old saying. So uh, having, having a probe thermometer hooked up to a little transmitter, you know, they've got all kinds you can get. But that really is a real important piece of equipment. Hey, Malcolm. Brian Haydad here. Your website's How to Barbecue Right. Let's talk about how to barbecue wrong. What are some mistakes that you see people, first time on the grill or whatever, <laughs> making on, on a regular basis that just drive you crazy? Well, I tried to rush something. That's the, yeah. you know, I say how to barbecue wrong. The only way to how to barbecue wrong is not to barbecue. <laughs> There's all kinds <laughs> of ways to do it. But, but, you know, some of the mistakes that people make, you know, they get caught up on time and temperature. Now, that's all important, but, but really the temperature that's important is the finishing temperature. And you can't rush good barbecue. Uh, if you want it to turn out perfect, you've got to give it time. You've got to stay with it. And so a lot of people, you know, they'll, 
they'll say, oh, I got to serve this at, say, 5 p.m. as I got people coming over and everybody's standing around hungry, and they didn't get it on till noon. Well, you can't rush it, you know. There's no recovering on that. So uh, giving yourself plenty of time and kind of planning out your cook, knowing about how long it, it's going to take, and also uh, working a little bit extra time for a rest. That's really important on these large cuts of meat like Boston Butts. Uh, I like to let them rest a minimum of one hour when they get done. So I'll give myself nine, ten hours if I know, you know, from when I'm going to put it on to when I'm going to serve. Good, good stuff there. Malcolm Reed from HowToBBQRight.com on your radio right now. Last thing I want to – I had a, a world-class pork chop last night. Uh, it was one, though, that was done in the skillet. Uh, it was a pan-roasted pork chop. If we're talking pork chops on the grill – how do you season them? What do you do to them to just get right? I, I've tried a bunch of different things, and there are a lot of different good ways to do it. What's your best way to do pork chops on the grill? Well, it's hard to beat a good old barbecue grilled pork chop. And, I, you know, you can season them just about any way you want. I like to use uh, just a base of salt, pepper, garlic just to get some of those savory flavors going and then put some barbecue rub on it, just the outside to give it some color, give it some of that barbecue flavor. Now, for yeah. me, for cooking chops, I'm cooking a nice thick chop. I'm going to sear it first to get the outside set, and then I'm going to create me a two-zone fire where I've got a hot side and a cool side. Once I get that outside seared and I get me some grill marks and a little char going, I'm going to move that chop over to the cool side and let that residual heat, let the, you know, let the cool zone cook it. That way it slows it down and lets that chop stay juicy, and I'm not worried about drying it out. You know, I've got a, I've got a thermometer. I'm checking it. I like to ch- take my chops to about 140 and let them carry over to 145 where they're done. The meat will be tender, and it'll be juicy, and it's some of the best pork chops you ever ate. Uh, how do you do that if you don't have a two-zone fire built? I mean, if I'm going back to the egg, because I know there are a lot of people that do that, would you just get it good and hot to start and then throw that place setter on to kind of slow things down with the heat? Would that be the best way to do it, or do you just shut down the vent and try and kill it? That's exactly what I would do. I would start it out with the plate setter out over my coals, and then just move the chops off the grill for a second. Grab you some grill gloves or, you know, the little tool they have to pull the rate, the, the grate off, set the plate setter down, and then put them back on. You know, give it time to, to, uh, to calm down a minute. You don't want to, you know, if you're, if you're grilling on the green egg without the plate setter, it wants to run between 400 to 600 degrees. I've even got mine right. as hot as 750. But so, but it reacts real fast too. But you just know you want to create that cool zone. Don't be scared to get the meat off the grill. If you think it's, it's cooking too fast, get you a platter, pull the meat off, get your grill back under control, put it back on there and finish it off. It's not going to hurt it. But getting rushed and you know and, and making some of the wrong moves, that's where you can really mess some stuff up and ruin some meat. So yeah. that's what I said. That was advice I needed to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> Malcolm, you're the best. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys, man. Enjoyed it. Hope you all have a great weekend and put some smoke in there. There's a hold up. Keep a pump in it. I'm still looking at Malcolm's website. My mouth is watering right now. Man, I hey, watched the already... YouTube videos, and I, like most of them, I, I don't have an intention of cooking like anytime soon. But I'll watch them all. Just the process of it is interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I watched a 20-minute YouTube video of him doing a whole hog. Like I have no capability of doing that whatsoever. I can't do it, but I watched every second of it. Hmm. What are you guys going to cook this weekend? 
Plan is to actually do a brisket this time. Didn't last weekend because of the weather, so I did gumbo instead, which was excellent, by the way. Um, so I'm actually going to do the brisket this weekend. Did you put it on the, the grill? I could have, but no. <laughs> How did the pastelaya turn out last weekend? Hey, Dad. Oh, it's fantastic. Really, really yeah. good. I was very pleased with it. Is this a uh, cooking weekend or no? Oh, every weekend's a cooking weekend. This is a this is okay. a grilling weekend, a smoking weekend. What's it going to be? We got some beef short ribs. Ooh, yeah, I'm excited. You may be on to something with the whole planning ahead thing. Like I'm sitting here going, "What am I going to throw on the grill when the show uh, ends tonight?" Exactly. Yeah, you got you got to have plan. You know what I think I'm going to yeah. do? What's up? I mean, I think like the most basic thing ever. I think I'm going to jump in the car as soon as the show ends and run get chicken drummies. Not wings, but like drumsticks. Yeah, and yeah. just do barbecue chicken drumsticks. Yeah, that's a fantastic choice. I think that's, uh, I think that's what it's going to be tonight. I wonder if you could... Would it take too long to do that over indirect heat so you don't get the... No. Like fire's kind of going crazy. Need to go get you that vortex, man. That'd be perfect for this. I guess it depends Where on they, when bedtime is, though, huh? I mean, you could do it an hour and a half. Uh, I mean, you could full-on smoke them in an hour and a half. Yeah, it's mo- movie night in the front yard, so a little later little later bedtime tonight. Yeah. Well, that'll work. So the vortex, it's, it's build the fire specifically in the middle, and then it's cool enough that you can cook all in the outer ring. Is that how that works? Yes. Uh, that would be perfect for chicken. It's perfect for things like you don't want to get the, get them burnt, but you want them to cook and get crispy. That's that's the way to go. But I don't know if I want them crispy though. I mean, you don't want barbecue chicken crispy necessarily. Well, you don't want the skin to be rubbery though either. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. I think on that. I had last night a top ten. I, I think I can say safely top ten. I'm tempted to say top five meal all time. Ooh. Where was this? So, Jane and I went to a place called Grit, which is in Taylor. It's about, you know, 10 minutes south of Oxford. And my mom was nice enough to kind of come hang with the kids and let us sneak out for a little while. It was their uh, first night reopening. And so, instead of doing a new menu, they opened originally in 2016. And they did kind of like a greatest hits menu. Yeah. So we started with like a um, kind of like a hybrid charcuterie plate. So it was they, they call it their snack plate: house made crackers, pimento cheese, bacon fig jam, uh, pickled cucumbers, roasted baby carrots, butter bean hummus. It was outstanding. Just an appetizer, hey dad. I know I know you're not a, you're not a vegetable well, guy. Well, I hear charcuterie. <laughs> I'm thinking there's gonna be a lot of different meat. There wasn't a lot of meat. No, that's that why face I said is hybrid. why you should watch the stream. By the way, Super Talk. Dot .fm slash connect. Because you missed the face. No, no sausage and cheese the way it, it was. They call it a snack plate. I was. Anyway. Jane got the uh, smoked salmon with coconut like rice pudding, corn puree, and roasted tomato. I don't sound I right. got the uh, roasted pork chop with field peas, smoked cabbage, and pear butter. But the dessert was it. Chocolate cobbler with brown butter ice cream, 
candied roasted peanuts and bourbon caramel drizzle on top. Take me now, my friend. That's kind of where I was on the on the dessert. And the, the peanuts were it. It was like just the right amount of crunch. Like I don't normally love pecans and almonds or whatever on dessert. I feel like it takes away from it. But this was the perfect amount of crunch. Mm. That sounds pretty good. Like I'm in the process of hurting myself, making myself hungry. <laughs> Spent half an hour now talking about nothing but food. Uh, Tim in Tupelo says he just gained 20 pounds listening to that. Every single pound is worth it, though, Tim. What is this? Somebody says, uh, who can afford the meat to cook? Crazy, I tell Okay. You got a joke there. Uh, let's see here. Kroger in Oxford says Richard Cross doesn't return his shopping cart. <laughs> just the worst kind of person I had somebody tell me um, it was a podcast I did years ago before uh, I started on this show and, and we talked about this very thing and somebody tweeted at me and the other host and was like uh, you know that people leaving shopping carts out gives kids jobs if you put them all up the Kroger wouldn't have to hire as many people to to gather them so really when you leave your cart you're actually helping someone get money thank you for your service <laughs> like that is the most galaxy brained bs mm. take i've ever heard like my reply was don't justify you being a bad person <laughs> yeah they, they've still got not all heroes wear capes they still get have them to out go of the out and get them back inside yeah and it takes the same amount of people to to do that but anyway uh, Sheila in Hattiesburg says, you're starving me, dude. Tim in Columbia says, dang, Richard, that dessert sounded awesome. Gib in Greenwood says, he just got a new Traeger grill. It's in the back of his truck right now. He is bringing it home with some baby backs for this nice. weekend. Good for you, Gib. It's good stuff. Traeger's Man, the, a good product. Dude, the, the pellet grill trend right now is insane. Too. I don't know if it's because people got stimulus checks and they were looking for stuff to do during the quarantine. Some and, people and just to, got, got the... <laughs> Look, man, I can't help Some that you decided to use a carrier accident. pigeon to return your taxes. <laughs> anyway. All right, so Stan says, cross question. I know you travel all over during basketball. What's the best place you've ever eaten? That's a good question. Mm. That's a good poll question, Borky. Throw it out there. The best oh, like restaurant you've ever eaten. Yeah. So, I tend to trend toward good steakhouses, if I if I can. As well, you should. Um, and I've kind of turned into a little bit of a snob about steaks. Like, I will only order a steak at a legit steakhouse because it's like people in regular restaurants either don't know or don't care. When it comes to, like, there's enough other really good stuff on the menu that if steaks aren't their specialty, kind of steer clear. So, I will give you three places. Tony's in Lexington. Uh, it's right across the street from uh, the Hyatt and Rupp Arena and is a fantastic steakhouse. Um, Hall's Chop House in Charleston, South Carolina. 
They've also got a uh, like like a branch office in Columbia. The one in Columbia is really cool. It's got a big glass front. And it's looking across the park at the state capitol. Uh, but the I like one that term, in, in branch Charleston office. Is the original. That's funny. Well, it's probably satellite location. Yeah, something secondary like that. location. Whatever. <laughs> you know what I meant when I said branch office? <laughs> yeah, I did. But it's still is funny. in Charleston. They had a branch in Columbia. Um, but my all-time favorite steakhouse is in Atlanta, Georgia. It is called Kevin Rathbun Steak. So I got a group of buddies that I go to the uh, SEC championship game with every year. We've done that. We've missed twice since 2007. So they had a pretty good run going on, on that. And all but one, the very first year we went to Morton's and it was overpriced and just kind of blah. Um, but we discovered Kevin Rathbun and that's where we go on Friday night every year before the SEC championship game. And it is consistently the best ever just absolutely spectacular um Stuart says how do those compare to Como Steakhouse eh, different kind of steaks I love Como I get a ribeye when I go to Como though man it's so I mean I'm not if you've been there you know what I'm talking about I just love the grill in the middle of the dining room. Or if you're going to the back bar, back room, where you got to walk right past that grill, and if they're really hopping one night, they got the second grill going on as uh, as well. Heath in Madison says, Burns Steakhouse in Tampa. Never been to Burns. I've been to Charlie's in Tampa. Luke says, M.M. Shapley's. Um, got some other recommendations coming in as uh, as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Upgrade your Anywhere office with Microsoft Teams from C Spire Business. Their experts can equip your organization to chat, meet, call, and collaborate from anywhere on one easy-to-use platform. Find the right plan for you at cspire.com slash business. That's what we use. We've got Office 365 as a company, and you just go to that Office 365 website, and you can access your mail, you can access all the Microsoft applications, and whatever, there's a bunch of stuff on there that I don't even know what to do with. Like, I'm, I'm afraid to press the button because it's going to do something that I don't know how to do. Um, but it makes working easy and simple. And uh, we've got great support with Seaspire to do just that. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky with you on this Friday afternoon. I know there's stuff we need to be talking about and we're going to get to. Yeah, need. Yeah, it's a good point kind of having fun with the food topic. Uh, let's see here. David and Socher says, best steak experience. In Germany, they lay out spices and sauces. You pick the steak and cook it on a lava rock. Sear both sides, cut up, cook a few pieces at a time. No restaurant like this here because of lawsuits by people touching 600-degree lava rocks. <laughs> Makes sense. What is it, Brazilian steakhouses where... Um, you ha- they give you a block. Red light, green light. Red light, green light. And when you're when you have the green side up, they just come over and just start shaving you some meat. And, and There's you- a red side. Yeah, apparently. 
I don't know <laughs> no if I would ever. I wasn't aware. Um, since you started down this road, um, and you've been covering the SEC and going to SEC towns for well, what you're forty, right? So almost twenty years now. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> get yeah. to the point. Takes a week. Can you do a rec for every SEC town? Like, is is that something you can do off the top Ooh. of your head? Every town in the SEC. Hey, Dad, I bet we can group think it. You're going to be a little ahead of me on this. Okay. But sure. Let's see. Um, should we start in the east? I can't. I, I don't think I've ever had a great meal in Gainesville. Not because there aren't good places to eat. I just haven't been to Gainesville nearly as much as some places. So I'll have to skip on Gainesville. I thought Gainesville uh, was massively overrated the one time I went. I, I just I didn't I didn't think it was that great. Yeah, there's a place in Athens called uh, Expat. It's a couple of years old. It's um, on. Eh, I can't remember the name of the street, but it's kind of like the secondary downtown area. Like a lot, not in the a lot of good of, we are. In this segment. Yeah. Well, I give you the name of the restaurant. Surely you can Google its location. So it's not like downtown Athens, but it's like two miles from downtown Athens, and it's one of the main drag. Anyway, uh, it's called Expat in Athens. That's uh, that's my go-to there. Um, Tony's Steakhouse in Lexington in Columbia, Missouri. Never been there, so. You know, Shakespeare's is good, the pizza place that people really, really like. So, But that's more of a, like, do that at lunch for me. Um, there's a brewery that I've been to a couple of times called Flat Branch. Food's pretty good and uh, pretty cool atmosphere there. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina. I'll, I'll go back to the Hall's Chop House thing, which is kind of looking over at the Capitol. Borky, you're from South Carolina. Have you ever been to a Hall's? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Charleston, though, never been to Columbia. Yeah, well, the one in Charleston is the right spot. Hmm. Uh, Knoxville. I didn't spend a ton of time in Knoxville. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't eat big in Knoxville. I mean, last year. I feel like Calhoun's is probably not the right answer, but it's a cool spot. Yeah, it's a good spot to eat. Like, like, I mean, yeah, you can get ribs or whatever, but it's. I mean, I don't want. I'm not taking a shot at them when I say it's kind of like a chain restaurant on steroids. Um, but it's kind of how I think of it. Vanderbilt. Oh man. Yeah, Nashville's got a lot of options. Mm. If I'm sticking with the whole steak thing, Cane mm-hmm. Prime. Yeah. Sure, there's another answer in Nashville. What's Tuscaloosa? I mean, you got to do. I mean, you get tarred and feathered if you don't say Archibald's about Tuscaloosa, right? Right. Archibald's or Dreamland, yeah, one and two. Uh, Fayetteville. I'm not saying it's the best restaurant in Fayetteville, but a place that I go consistently and always have fun with. In fact, I, I'm sure that it's not the best restaurant in Fayetteville. But Doe, there's a Doe's in Fayetteville. 
like you know the original ones in Greenville, and there's yeah. one in Fayetteville, and it's the red and white checkered tablecloths and the whole deal. And I just like it. It just feels comfortable. The steak is consistent. You get the fries that taste the same every time. That's kind of my uh, my spot. And then there's a burger place in Fayetteville in downtown called Hugo's. That's really really good. Uh, I went to Auburn. a place called I went to a place Sorry, called Wright's Bar- Wright's Barbecue in Fayetteville this past year. Recommended by. Great friend Bunky Perkins, and it was really, really, really good. Beautiful. Auburn, um, Acre. I haven't been to Acre. I hear it's really good. It is spectacular. And then, um, what's the name of the place? Something on Magnolia. There are two or three really cool spots in uh, in Auburn. Acre's the best, though. My go-to in Baton Rouge, and this is going to be different than a lot of people uh, because it's not kind of like right there close to campus. It's out a little bit uh, more toward like East Baton Rouge Parish. Uh, Rafino's is that is my spot in in Baton Rouge, and love it, love it, love it. I got a you, uh, we got a text a few minutes that, right? ago. Who? You know who used to own that, right? Rafino's. Yeah. Who? That used to be Donardo's. Did it really? Yeah, that was Jerry Leonardo's restaurant. Ruffin bought it from him? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. That's funny. Quinn, hey, here, okay, Borky, you needed validation. You just got it because Quinn said try Rafino's in Baton Rouge. Pawrains uh, is my spot in Baton Rouge and the, and the chimes. Yeah. Somebody just said a second ago that uh, in Baton Rouge you need to try place for pork chops in Baton Rouge. Uh, what was it? I thought it was at the hotel there, yeah. Yeah. What was the name of the hotel? I responded to it, so I can't find where yeah, it was. Yeah, I got it. Hold on. Uh, it's at the Watermark. Oh, yeah. Said to go to the Gregory inside the Watermark Hotel downtown and get the pork chop. He said it's a $50 pork chop, but it will change your life. Can I give that a try? So that leaves Starkville, Oxford, and... College, College Station. Station. Um, I mean, Restaurant Tyler's it in Starkville. It's a fine choice. Avoid I mean, the I, punch in College Station, but... <laughs> uh, there's some good spots in Starkville, though. Yeah. The veranda is good. Uh, the camp house is a favorite of mine. Commodore Bob's is really good. Uh, and now that they've got uh, their new location, Two Brothers Barbecue is is really really good too. Yeah. Um, yeah, most of you have been to Oxford. Um, Snack Bar St. Leo and Grit are my three. Not necessarily in that order. Grit, which I mentioned in Taylor, um, Snack Bar Duck Sandwich is the best thing on the menu in my mind. And then St. Leo, coolest vibe. I mean, it's a restaurant that could be any in any big city. In the entire United States, and you wouldn't question for a second that that, that it should be there. Um, and if you want catfish, you got to go to Taylor Grocery. So, oh man, so good. You're you're on board with that? Yeah. Well, he was the guy who he was the guy who cooked for us at the tournament last year, right? And yeah, did the Lynn catfish. Oh my gosh! I, I it says literally we both starve. I'm telling you right now, if we weren't in in you know proper company, I would have eaten like 50 pieces of catfish. Well, there was plenty. I mean, if you didn't get no, enough, I'm just it was saying, your own fault. 
Yeah. Oh, no, I got plenty, but I could have had more. College Station. I didn't really... I don't know that I can do a great food wreck for College Station. I mean, there's tons and tons and tons of barbecue options. Yeah. But there is a really cool hotel, the George Hotel, that has a restaurant and kind of a bar setting that's pretty open, a lot of glass. It's one of the coolest like hotel bar settings you'll find anywhere. So it's a semi-recommendation, Borky, for College Station. Oh, no, Houston. no, 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 the Republic Steakhouse in College Station. The Republic. Hey, for, Love that. For you remember? Forgot about it. Just fly to Houston and go to Killen's uh, Smokehouse in Houston. That's what I did. There you go. If your mouth is not watering. <laughs> oh, me. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at uh, supertalk.fm. Thank you for being with us. We got uh, about an hour and ten minutes with you left on this Friday afternoon. We'll be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Um, this is an interesting time that we're living in, and I, I am not—I'm not telling you how to believe. I'm not even 100% sure how I feel about some of this, but things that you have been accustomed to seeing, doing, and hearing on college campuses are in the process of changing and in some ways changing pretty dramatically. And in some cases it needs to it needs to happen. For example, if you rewind to 1997 when Tommy Tuberville was the coach at Ole Miss under the guise of a stick ban, Ole Miss distanced itself from the Confederate flag. 100% needed to happen. Farther down the line, got rid of Dixie, and then ultimately got rid of from Dixie with love as well. The only sad part to me about any of that is from Dixie with love was a mashup. A mashup's probably not the right word, but two songs combined into one that included the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and the students decided to bastardize the thing by chanting the South will rise again instead of his truth is marching on, and as a result, it went away. And it, it, because of that, it had to. You have statues that are going down all over the place. People feel differently about that, about contextualizing history, changing history, removing objects that point out history. Clemson is in the process of trying to change the names of some of the buildings on its campus. Ole Miss has a Confederate statue in the middle of campus that is under huge scrutiny as to whether or not it's going to be moved. Even the Chancellor has said we would like to move it, but the IHL has something to do with this. But this, this story might take the cake. Student-athletes at the University of Texas are requesting the removal of the song, The Eyes of Texas. 
That's the one where before and after every single sporting event at the University of Texas, all the players, all the coaches, all the fans stand in unison and they hold their hand up in the air and they do the hook'em horn signal for the entire song and everybody sings it and it's like, that's like the unifying thing at the University of Texas. And student-athletes are asking for it to be changed. Story from Dave Wilson at ESPN says, without these changes, players said they would practice and, partici- uh, they would practice and participate in team activities but will ne- not be participating in the recruitment of incoming players or other alumni events. The rationale behind it is this. The eyes of Texas has come under scrutiny in recent years because it was first performed in a minstrel show in 1903 that featured blackface performers. I mean, this is a song that is steeped in history at the University of Texas. According to the Texas State Historical Association, the Board of Regents reaffirmed the eyes of Texas as the university's official song to celebrate the 100th anniversary of its first performance. That was in... 2003, performed by the Longhorn Marching Band at the funerals of Daryl K. Royal, for who the stadium is named, former First Lady Bird Johnson, Lady Bird Johnson. Copy of the lyrics were taken to the moon in 1969 by University alumnus Alan Bean. Again, I'm I'm not advocating for or against one way or the other. I'm just saying this is the time in which we are living. It's not going to stop at at Texas. I mean, athletes now feel and are more empowered than they've ever been. I mean, you saw uh, what led to, even though it didn't lead to a termination, um, what happened at Iowa. I mean, you had players release a joint statement saying if you don't, which, that doesn't make sense because in college football, the players aren't on the field during the anthem, but the players released a joint thing with the Iowa letterhead and everything that said, if you don't support us kneeling for the national anthem, which again, I don't know how they're going to be able to do that, don't come to the games anymore. We don't want you to follow us if you don't support us in that. It's going to keep happening. The players are more empowered and feel more empowered than they ever have been. So this is not isolated to Texas or Iowa. It's going to keep happening. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Take a quick timeout. 5 o'clock hour coming up next. Welcome to the weekend, everybody. Just after 5 o'clock Friday afternoon, weather is going to be spectacular over the next few days. Mid to upper 80s, sunshine, little light breeze. Perfect early summer weekend in the Magnolia State. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. C Spire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. If you're ready for a better phone, C Spire is here to help you out. 
Get up to $700 off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. You'll always find awesome deals on the latest devices at cspire.com, plus with options like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations, getting a new smartphone is safer, quicker, and more convenient than ever. And the Cspire network is always getting faster and better, even letting you talk on the phone and use data at the same time. Head over to cspire.com now to find the perfect device for you. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. When America needed Ford to build, they built masks, ventilators, and shields. When local communities and frontliners needed support, Ford dealers answered. Now they're open and ready to serve you with special offers and deals across the entire Ford lineup. Stop by a Ford dealership or go online to buyfordnow.com. They've made it safer to shop and easier to buy. Built for America. Built Ford proud. Bert Bielema wants Arkansas to pay him. As Teddy KGB would say, pay him. Pay that man his money. Although Arkansas has other plans. The now New York Giants assistant coach, who previously served as the University of Arkansas head coach, has filed a $7 million lawsuit against the Arkansas Razorback Foundation. Sportico has obtained the civil cover sheet for the lawsuit, which will be litigated in a federal court in the natural state. That is Arkansas. The case could become key precedent for duty to mitigate clauses in coaches' contracts going forward. Brett Bielema contends that the Razorback Foundation, which is a nonprofit 501c3 entity that raises money and supports Arkansas athletics, breached a contractual obligation to pay him roughly $12 million. This monetary amount reflects a buyout agreement that Bielema signed in January of 2018 in the aftermath of his firing at Arkansas. The foundation's unwillingness to pay Bielema stems from its conclusion that the former Big Ten Coach of the Year has willfully refused to mitigate the amount of money owed to him. The duty to mitigate in coaches' contracts is the obligation of a fired coach who is still owed money from his or her school to make reasonable efforts to find another job, the income from which offsets money owed by the school. So there's a lot that's here, but the evidence that Bielema appears to have on his side is this. Um, while being employed by the New England Patriots, apparently on a almost volunteer basis, Sportico learned that Bielema and his agent Neil Cornrich let representatives of major college football programs know that Brett was interested in head coaching positions, and they communicated with FAU, Boston College, University of South Florida, and Rutgers. Each of those four schools hired a different person to be their new head coach. Bielema's contract with the Patriots allowed him to leave at any time without penalty to become a Division I head coach. As the contract with the Razorback Foundation is worded, the duty to mitigate did not demand much of Brett Bielema. 
This article says if the Razorback Foundation required that Bielema pursue other high-paying coaching jobs in college, the contractual language should say as much. It does not. If the Razorback Foundation was worried that Bielema might take a pay cut to reposition his coaching career in the NFL, the contractual language should address that possibility. It does not. And then there's the argument that joining Bill Belichick and the Patriots, even as a volunteer, could be a positive career move for Brett Bielema after being fired from Arkansas when he was coming off an unsuccessful tenure as a head coach. He was 47 years old at the time. Could he have landed a head coaching gig at another FBS school? Maybe. He was certainly a credible candidate at the time. I don't know how this plays out in court. But this is just Arkansas trying not to have to pay more buyout money. Kind yeah, of feels that way. Up. Yeah. I know I know I was told that when here at Mississippi State, when Joe Judge, when it looked like he was going to get the job, there were a there's a lot of smoke that Bielema was going to come in as his defensive coordinator. Wow. So that that that, that rumor was out there. So, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious he was looking for jobs. But the thing that, that gets me, is, and this is what happened to Kansas, they just, these, these, these schools put these ridiculous buyout clauses into the contracts, so even though they're bidding against nobody most of the time. They're just bidding against themselves. Then they fire the coaches, and then they don't want to pay the buyouts, and then they end up losing the money anyway. If you look at Kansas, I think they ended up losing twenty grand that they, they paid yep. Beatty four fifty k less than he was owed. But their their legal fees exceeded that by twenty thousand dollars. So I mean, athletic departments are it's not all of them, but some of them are, are run by just, for lack of a better word, morons who just don't understand how to handle money. And this is another example that he's going to win. Just pay the, like you said, pay that man his money. I read uh, a legal analysis of this. Fair and square. Yeah, pay him all night pay long. That he, man, his money for for Bielema, it's like check, all night long. Check, you run, run, run. Check. <laughs> check, 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 check. You got alligator blood. I love it when he throws the Oreos to the side. <laughs> oh, it's, it's such a good movie. Go ahead, Borky. That all just went. Have you never seen Rounders, Borky? Come no. on, Borky. Nope. Oh, when did it come that, out? That one is good, good, good. In the nineties, I was six years old when this movie came out. Yeah, it's on TV just, all the time. I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, I, I know I've joked with you about Karate Kid through the years. You really should watch Rounders. Oh, cast you looks should. phenomenal. And it's, it's one fantastic. of my three or four favorites of all time. Wow, I need to. I mean, I'm not even joking. The cast looks really good. Um, I did read a legal analysis earlier, and basically it was the same thing. It was like Arkansas doesn't really have a whole lot of leg to stand on here. All Bielema has to do is prove that he tried to get other jobs, and apparently he's got that like at the ready. Um, my question is, when I read this, I thought, is Arkansas cash poor? Like I know they've got a beautiful stadium, and there's a nice check that comes from the SEC every year, and they've got boosters that have a lot of money, but... They have paid a ton of buyouts lately. I, I kept thinking, do they have $7 million to hand over? And is that why they're not paying him? Because they kind of can't. 
Well, they may not be able to pay it in one lump sum, but I mean, they can make monthly payments. And and again, this is what I'm talking about. The, the, these universities, they just don't understand how how money works. It's almost like they all need a, a, a financial course. You know, they need to go see, sit with Dave Ramsey for a minute or something. I don't know, but it's this is it's just silly. Aren't they currently you know, paying four buyouts? Two football probably, coaches, probably. apparently, an athletic director, and aren't they still paying a basketball coach? They might be still playing Mike Anderson, yeah. Yeah, I don't know I mean, what they. Of course, if there was mitigation language in Mike Anderson's contract, you know, he and, got the head coaching job at St. John, so his may be reduced, but nevertheless. But think about Bielema around the time that he would have gotten this this contract, and who was who were they bidding against? Who were they trying to keep Brett Bielema from going to? It's no not one. like when they gave him the extension, it, he had some mind blowing year either. Yeah. He got an extension in 15. What did they go, 7-6? and six? Yeah. Just say, look, we're going to give you a raise, and that's good enough. Don't know if you've seen this story or not, but the University of Houston has suspended voluntary workouts for all student-athletes after six symptomatic student-athletes in various sports tested positive for coronavirus as the Houston area has seen a recent surge of positive tests to COVID-19. In a statement on Friday, the UH Athletics Department said it was suspending the activities, quote, out of an abundance of caution, close quote. quote. School said the symptomatic student-athletes have been placed in isolation and contract, tra- contact, contact tracing procedures have been initiated. Houston is the first school to suspend athletic activities after bringing student-athletes back to campus following the shutdown. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming with you at supertalk.fm. We'll take a time out and be right back. Friday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. So, what do we do here? Do we do the kind of where we are in Major League Baseball? We can do that quickly. Nowhere. <laughs> Segment over. What was, our, what was the last thing we said about it? There it is. <laughs> Nothing changed. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, I'm, and I guess the NBA has their own problems now. I suspect they're going to figure it out. Things are going to calm down. Just societally are going to slow down a little bit. And then also, uh, we didn't mention this earlier. If the players do this, if they follow Kyrie's lead and decide, hey, we don't want to play, guess what gets torn up? The collective bargaining agreement. It's in the agreement that they signed. If they refuse to play, it gets torn up. So max contracts are done. Uh, The supermax is done. All the hard work that Chris Paul did, all done. And the league gets to start over. So not only would they not get paid, their CBA, which gets them paid a boatload of money, more per player than any other sport. I mean, you've got bench guys making $10 million a year. It, it, all, it gets ripped up and thrown away. It's part of the contract. So if they don't play, if they get together with Kyrie and decide, you know what, we want to be activists and, and not play basketball, the future of the league, as far as their compensation, they're screwed. So they're going to play. Is there a way that would benefit the Lakers so we get back to the old days? <laughs> I might be in favor of the season shutting down, if so. Well, Anthony Davis's mm-hmm. new contract would be a little bit cheaper. A lot a bit cheaper. I don't know why I said a little. 
All right, Jeff Paston from ESPN Major League Baseball's latest economic proposal to players slightly closes the financial gap between the sides that still fall shy of the union's desire for full prorated salaries, leaving them at a critical juncture as they work toward a return-to-play agreement. The league's offer, delivered to the union on Friday afternoon, called for a season of 72 games and for players to max out at 80% of their full prorated salaries. Total compensation would be $1.27 billion guaranteed, and it can max out at $1.5 billion on top of an extra $50 million that would go to playoff teams, raising the overall percentage to 83%. Playoffs would expand from 10 to 16 teams, and the players would have a choice on whether to implement or nullify the qualifying offer, which has stifled past free agents. The previous offer had topped out at a million, uh, I'm sorry, $1.432 billion. The offer also includes a roster size of 30 for the first two weeks of the season, 28 for the next two weeks, 26 after that. Originally, rosters had been scheduled to be 26 players uh, this season. This counter comes on the heels of the union's proposal for an 89-game season with full prorated salaries. Yesterday, Rob Manfred, the uh, commissioner of Major League Baseball, actually it was on Wednesday, told Carl Ravage at ESPN that unequivocally we are going to play Major League Baseball this year, putting the likelihood at 100%. Which means that owners are prepared to do the, here's the schedule, play it. Andrew McCutcheon, strong feedback. His response to the offer was LOL. Trevor Bauer, just so y'all know, 70% of prorated salaries at 72 games is the exact same as, wait for it, full prorated at 48. Nothing to see here. Same exact offer in different clothing, just a reallocation of risk. Aww. Pirates pitcher Trevor Williams responded bluntly, saying the offer expired as soon as they hit send. Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Brett Anderson tweeted a gif of James Franco from the 2014 film The Interview to share his first thoughts and then tweeted, same, but different, but still same. Do they... I mean, when they say things like this, I'm sure there are the diehards. There are sports fans that will defend their team and their side through anything, no matter what, forever. And those people are admirable. But do they expect, like, the the common sports fan, to, I mean, sympathize with them at all? Do you do they expect me to, to feel for them right now at this point? Because that's not happening. I, I don't think they care. I don't think the players really care. The players are going to take care of themselves because they're the only ones looking out for themselves. The, the owners are billionaires. They're going to be fine no matter what. The players have to take care of themselves if no, because nobody else will. So I think that they, they they're, they're, they're locked in. But they have to play. Like when, when, when the commissioner says, okay, we're invoking the right that we had to set the schedule on March 26th, you will receive full prorated salaries, and we will determine the number of games. They're going to do that. So why are the players not just trying to get a little bit more? They're saying, no, we want full prorated all the way through. Yeah. 
I mean, I can't, I can't argue too hard against them. Where if if I was in that situation, I'm going to try to get what's mine. It's me versus the owners at this point. Sure, and, and if you if you back down this time, it's it's just it starts a, a slippery slope, in my opinion. Yeah, but if you're going to have to play regardless. Well, then you're, just, I mean, you're going to play, and that means the next time that there's a labor, you know, next time they have to redo some sort of ar- argument, it, it's going to be painful. Next year. And the players are going to make it painful for the owners. How painful can they make it, though? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. But because ultimately they need the owners to pay them to play Major League Baseball. Now, the owners need the players to have a game as well. So it's kind of like the opposite of mutually assured destruction, right? I mean, if that's a kind of a Cold War term. It was a class that I took called International Conflict in the Nuclear Age. It's like war theory. If you have two sco- two countries... Look at us. We took a similar class. Yeah. If you, just, if you have two countries that both have nuclear capabilities, then you have what's called nu- uh, mutually assured destruction. If one fires a nuke, the other's going to fire a nuke and everybody dies. This is kind of like the opposite of mutually assured destruction going into the labor deal coming forward. The players need the owners to pay them so that they have an avenue to make a living, but um, the owners need the players to have a game so that they can make money also. I don't know that there's an easy answer. No, there's definitely not. No. Yeah. They're going to get buried, though. We keep talking about this fall being potentially... A, a, a weird phenomenon. The supply is through the roof, and the demand is also through the roof. The curve doesn't really make sense for the economic major out there, but they're both going to exist. And because of this and the shortened season, I mean, they're going to play, but it's not going to feel right, and they're going to get buried in a time where all we're looking for is sports content, but the market's going to be saturated even more than usual. Yeah, they compete with football in the playoffs, but that's really it, right? Now, you're going to have NBA playoffs. You're going to have four majors. Uh, what, three majors, not four. But you're going to have the Masters and the U.S. Open and the Kentucky Derby, and all of these things are going to be happening at the same time. And after going through all of this mess, even when you play, you're going to be an afterthought. Yeah. They could have started, what, two weeks from now. Instead, they'll still be negotiating two weeks from now. What do you think the drop? You th- you think that if we get to Monday and there's not an agreement, or maybe Wednesday of next week there's not an, ag- an agreement, we reach the point where the owners just say, "Here's what we're doing." If I were it's man for this, what I would do? Yeah, probably would have done it a while ago. Well, and and Rob Manfred said in his interviews yesterday, he's like, "Look, we want to come to an agreement." But the players have got to understand the economic realities of this on the owner's side of things, too. 
And whether they understand them or not, they don't seem to care. They're like, no, this is the deal we signed. And the owners keep going back to, yeah, this is the deal we signed, but we signed it with the anticipation that there was going to be some form of fans in the stands. It's looking less and less like that's going to be the case. Certainly it's going to be less than we thought, if any at all. And, and again, I'm not arguing for one side or the other. I understand where the players are coming from. I also get where the owners are coming from. And kind of like I said yesterday, I just don't care anymore. I don't care who's right and who's wrong. I just say get a deal done and give us baseball. I molasses in wintertime, but it's July. Getting paid by the Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm on this Friday afternoon. Close to the weekend. 20 minutes or so with you, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. Don't forget you can listen to Sports Talk Mississippi online at supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app. Best way to listen to the show every day is always on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station, wherever you are in the state of Mississippi. And don't forget the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Search Sports Talk Mississippi to get the latest Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. You can also download Thunder and Lightning, the Rebel Report, and the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. <clears throat> excuse me, which is co-hosted by our next guest, Luke Johnson. I say guest. I mean, he's kind of part of the part of the crew. Uh, Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. You've been shooting clay pigeons this afternoon. Yeah, I had a little fundraiser uh, for a good buddy of mine. He's got a hunting ministry and teach kids outdoors and conservation and about Christ. And, man, yeah, we shot this afternoon. Um, it was fun. Hey, Dad should have been there. Oh, yeah? I mean, I'll go. If I had, if I had been invited, I would have showed up, man, maybe. Well, you had a job. You, had, you know, you're, you're on air today. But we can work it out. Uh, between me and Richard, we were conspiring this week between our two armories. We can take care of you pretty good. <laughs> we have lo- lots of uh, different things that uh, you can shoot. Uh, c- can I ask you about some of your armory or no? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So there, there is a, a, a firearm that I would like to add to my collection at some point, and I have had people tell me, you are crazy, that is dumb, don't do it. Have you ever actually shot one of those? It's the, uh, I want a Desert Eagle pistol. And, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the big one is ridiculous. And if you get, like, the gold-plated one or whatever, they're expensive and they're not fun to shoot and whatever, but they're just so cool. I don't want one really to shoot. I just kind of want one to have it to add to a collection. You actually have a Desert Eagle, though, don't you? Yeah, I sent you the picture the other day. You know, they come in several different calibers. 357, 44 mag, and then you can get the big boy, which is uh, the 50 AE. So, um, it, we had a picture one time. My wife was joking around holding that thing up, trying to pull off like a Charlie's Angels pose. It was hilarious. But they're they're bad to the bone. And in case you run out of ammo, it, it reverts to a war club also. So you could take care of business either way. What's going on in Hattiesburg in the uh, greater Pine Belt region right about now? Well, there's a deep sign of collected breath. Uh, everybody's fingers were crossed yesterday 
wondering if uh, if Gabe Shepard was going to get drafted, and he didn't go in those first five rounds, which was all indications he would be coming back next year. Southern Miss, just a sophomore, but he met that 21-year-old uh, threshold, so he was available to be drafted. And um, no Southern Miss player is going to be drafted. It'll be interesting to see this uh, this coming weekend. Hunter Stanley, who was an all All-American uh, relief pitcher this year, what happens with him if he gets an offer? Of course, Matt Gidry and, and Walker Powell, and you know, with with the the money only being around twenty thousand, you would think a few of these guys would would probably circle back around and, and play again next year, but. Shepard was one, uh, you, you wanted him another year. I mean, he looked good early on. Um, they needed to rest him a little bit, but, I mean, he got up to 97, 98 a few times and was sitting in the 94 range, 95 range, and all indications look like he'll be back on the mound next year for Southern Miss, and, and Golden Eagle fans surely happy about that. Yeah, and with good reason. But, Luke, isn't it one of those times where you have kind of mixed emotions? Like, you, you want to be excited for a kid who's been chasing a dream for a really long time, and, and most of these guys that play college baseball want the opportunity to play pro ball. And if you get drafted in the first round, I mean, you're ta- or excuse me, the first five rounds, you're talking about real money and teams really investing in you. And so you want that for guys, but at the same time, a guy that is potentially that caliber of a player – and you sure do like the idea of having him in your uniform for one more year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the attitude Scott Barry's always had. And, of course, yeah, we want the best for the kids. Scott's always been that way. If his guys get an opportunity to go, he wants them to go. With Shepard, you, you didn't get him much last year. You know, uh, I'm talking about 2019. And when he did, I mean, we saw what he did in the Conference USA Tournament. Uh, he pitched well in the postseason. And, you know, the season cut short again. So you've really only probably got – 50 or 55 percent of a season out of two years of Gabe Shepard and Golden Eagle fans just want to see that electric stuff one more time. What's going on on the football front? Uh, voluntary workouts underway and uh, things moving along pretty well? Yeah, about 60 percent of the guys are back. Um, cool moment uh, this, this week. They, they took a walk of unity down Hardy Street in Hattiesburg as a team. There were some other student athletes that joined them. Jay Hobson was there. They went to a park together, sang thanks song. There was some music. Uh, some different players spoke. And um, Latham, the uh, the senior linebacker, just talked about how uh, they are one band of brothers together as a team. And, and so that was good yesterday. It was kind of a unifying moment for them as they start these voluntary workouts back and get everybody coming back towards campus, hopefully, uh, by the end of this month. Luke, what about in terms of testing? I'm sure they're going through that process like everybody else is. Any uh, any confirmed positive tests or guys that are having to have to kind of go into isolation for a, a period of time? I haven't heard any yet. You know, they're continue to to watch for symptoms and and test guys. And, you know, temperature checks and stuff. Uh, testing in regards to temperature. And but yeah, not, nothing's happened yet. And uh, thankful on that front. We are visiting with Luke Johnson. He is co-host of the Eagle Hour radio program. You can listen to it uh, daily on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. Also, you can catch the Eagle Hour uh, podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, certainly those things are are going on. Um, Is there a phased approach to – you said about 60 or 65% of the football team is back. Kind of a phased approach overall to bringing student-athletes back? Yeah, I mean, you'll have the other sports. They'll come back a little later. Um, and, you know, we really haven't talked about this as much, but i tell you what, there is a buzz in Hattiesburg about Jay Ladner's signing class, and, and those guys will report later on. But basketball 
Um, it's something that Southern Miss fans are getting really excited about. Jay Ladner landed three of the top 40 JUCO players in the country, two of the top 20. He's uh, he signed a 6'10 freshman. He's brought in another 6'10 uh, transfer from the University of Wyoming. Uh, Justin Johnson, a big JUCO guy. DeAndre Pinkney, a big JUCO guy. Uh, he's bringing in the, the best uh, guard in the New Orleans area, Jerron Pierre. And there is a buzz in Hattiesburg uh, with some of the frustration with football. It's been a bright spot uh, with the cancellation of baseball. Uh, people are really getting excited about about uh, basketball in Hattiesburg because this is probably the best signing class Southern Miss has had in 10 or 15 years by far. Luke, when you kind of look across the board at the collection of coaches right now at Southern Miss – just with the, the three men's sports, with, with Scott Berry, who is entrenched with the baseball program, with Jay Ladner, who is you know hopefully a, a guy that will be there running the basketball program for uh, a long time, and then obviously with, uh, with Jay with football, is there a pretty, uh, a pretty comfortable sense with the coaching setup as it exists right now, kind of across the board? I mean, Scott Berry, in my opinion, um, he, he's, he's got to be a top five bargain in college baseball. You know, you can look up what he makes. It's public knowledge compared to what other people make. And what he's done, I mean, hands down. Um, and, and he wants to be there. Jay Ladner, uh, this may sound strange to people outside the Southern Miss Bowl. I mean, here's a guy who was coaching high school basketball a decade ago, you know, or even less than that. Got a job at Jones College, Southeastern Louisiana. He's a Southern Miss guy. He was on the 87 NIT team. He wants to be there. Um, but Coach Hoff, I mean, we've talked about this before, guys. I mean, this is the year it's got to get done. Um, so two out of those three sports, yeah, there is, there's great reassurance. Um, people at Southern Miss like Coach Hoff, and, and I played for him. I love the man. Um, I, I think there is going to be pressure as we move into football this year, and it's going to depend. We talked about the free basket turnover with, with coordinators. I want to see Coach Hoff succeed. Uh, but it's got to happen this year. So football is, is unique going into 2020. When you say got to happen this year, I mean, you think legitimate pressure for them to do what in order for him to remain as the head coach? I don't know if it's a remain, um, but they need to win the West. I, I really believe uh, last year they were expected to, to win the West, and um, they need to do well early to put themselves in a position or you will probably have some of those discussions begin midseason. So, you know, I don't, I don't have any. I'm just saying, people want success in football. Um, people are, are frustrated at you know seven and five when you're looking at a weaker conference USA than what you've had historically. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of incentive, uh, and it goes back to what we talked about, what they did yesterday. A lot of bonding taking place, pressing through, so that you'll see success in 2020. Luke, enjoy your weekend. Always appreciate your time, my friend. Hi, guys. Have a good weekend. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.